The Truth News Network. COVID, critical race, compliance mandate, and conflicting stories about it all. Mask, vaccine? No. The truth shall set you free. TNN, the Truth News Network, with your host, Dan Newman. There's so much controversy. There's so many things going on that we just can't figure out. And the reason we can't figure most of them out, folks, let me set your mind at ease. It's not because we're stupid. It's because our leaders are purposely not only hiding facts from us, but they're grossly misrepresenting facts that are out there in the free open marketplace that we're seeing, we're hearing, we're watching, but yet they tell us again and again, oh, don't even look at that. That's not what's really going on. That's not what's really happening. Seriously, folks, that's what we're, that's what we're living in now. We're living in that environment where those that are in leadership over us, those that have power and authority over us, are telling us what to believe, what not to believe, and they're demeaning anybody and everybody that chooses not to go along with their ideals. It's a fact. What we're seeing and hearing is not necessarily what's really going on. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, it's Monday. That means we had a weekend And, of course, a lot of good things happen on the weekends in the U.S. Sadly, though, a lot of bad things happen on the U.S. Shootings across the nation are just simply out of control. And I don't know about you, but when I look in and watch and listen to all of the problems that are happening in mostly our major cities around the country, it's just what in the world is happening to our law enforcement? Are law enforcement personnel in these big cities, are they just slacking off? Are they loosening the ties on enforcing laws? I really don't know. I can think, and I'm sure you can too, we can surmise and come up with our own opinions. I believe it's a whole combination of things. But I think it starts at the very root of the police, the whole concept of police. And that is, police are hired to make sure that we as a nation enforce the rule of law. Every law, federal, state, and local level. And that's a novel idea. I mean, we just have taken it for granted my entire life. We just took it for granted. Oh, you know, cops are going to... Cops are going to enforce every law. That's what they do. Well, they're supposed to do that. But supposed to doesn't necessarily mean that's what's being done. And that's what we're seeing play out on the streets of our major cities over the weekend. Oh my gosh. Where's the obvious place we look at every week when it comes to horrors and shooting, gun violence of all kinds, people getting shot and killed? Chicago. Over the weekend, now this is through, uh, I guess early this morning, there are probably some shooting some other kinds of lawlessness that haven't yet been reported to the media. But over the weekend, as of early, early this morning, at least 39 were shot in Chicago, parts of Chicago, three fatally. At least 39 shot, three died. At least one person killed, four others wounded in a drive-by early Sunday morning in what's called West Town. 
Then a man was shot to death Saturday night in a little village on the southwest side. A man was found fatally shot in Fernwood Sunday night. In non-fatal attacks less than an hour later, three people, including two teens, were shot in a drive-by in North Lawndale. They were standing on the street about 8 o'clock in the 3500 block of West 12th Place when a dark vehicle pulled up. Somebody from inside fired shots. A 16-year-old boy was shot in the leg, was taken to Mount Sinai in good, uh, good condition. A teen girl, also 16, was shot in the buttocks, was transported to Stroger Hospital in good condition. A 20-year-old man was shot in the hand. He was also taken to Mount Sinai. This is just the insanity of growing up in today's society in a big city. And it doesn't get any worse. It doesn't get any better. Let's hope it doesn't get any worse, but it hasn't been getting any better. I mean, if you put in perspective all of the shootings and all of the killings at the hand of gun violence this year in Chicago, it blows your mind. We cannot comprehend in the United States of America having such lawlessness that's permeating every area from top to bottom. It's not just happening in the hood. The hood. It's not just happening there. It's happening in every type of neighborhood you can imagine. Yeah, I get it. There are more shootings that happen in lower middle class neighborhoods. I get it, but it's top to bottom still happening in every eco segment of our society, every racial segment of our society. I'll tell you about another one that I'm familiar with. Not a really big city, the capital city of Louisiana, Baton Rouge, a state trooper was killed by a man who authorities believe also fatally shot another person and wounded three others across multiple parishes this weekend. Master Trooper Adam Gobert, a 19-year veteran of the state police in Louisiana, he was ambushed in his patrol vehicle near Prairieville. Prairieville is a suburb south-southeast of the city of Baton Rouge. This suspect, his name is Matthew Meyer, He's 31 years old. Guess what? I know Matthew Meyer. Matthew Meyer has been in a local drug rehabilitation center twice over the last couple of years, the same one. He went in, he graduated, he got out, he went out and fell off the wagon, came back to the drug rehab center and got kicked out for not complying with the rules and regulations there. And that happened in the last couple of months. So now Matthew Meyer is not only in a bad way himself, but he snuffed out the life of a master state trooper, fatally shot one more person, wounded three others. And you know what was going on when he did all that? He was in a methamphetamine rage. Illegal drugs. Oh my gosh, what is it coming to? But it's not just exclusive to places like Chicago, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It's happening all over the nation. This happened over the weekend. Listen closely. Three West, Truck Park Bar, on a shot fired. Multiple callers. Got to be three shots inside the bar. One. A horrifying scene unfolding inside a packed bar in St. Paul, Minnesota. Copy starting at least four medics. 
I got one fade in here. Police calling it one of the worst shootings the city has seen. I heard the gunshots and I went to the ground and I could see four or five people that had been hit. This is not the place to be right now. This is chaos. Multiple suspects opening fire in this bar just after midnight. Cell phone video capturing some of the chaos unfolding inside. There were gunshot wound victims lying in the street outside the bar. There were gunshot wound victims lying on the sidewalk outside the bar. And there were gunshot wound victims lying on the floor inside the bar. More, more people over here too, bro. People are laid out. Good Samaritans jumping in to help officers render aid. A total of 15 people shot. 14 rushed to the hospital, a 20-year-old woman tragically dying inside. This is nothing short of a tragedy. Our hearts break for the young woman who died and for her loved ones. A grieving family joined by an entire community. The chief of police taking to Twitter to say hearts are broken. Victims, families, community and officers. We will bring justice to the victims. Earlier today, police arresting three suspects connected to the shooting as multiple law enforcement agencies work with St. Paul police to answer lingering questions. How did this happen and why? Megan, do we know anything more about the 20-year-old victim? Well, Jose, police say they will release her name tomorrow along with the other victims inside the bar. But tonight, this is a community that is grieving and anxiously awaiting answers. Now, that happened over the weekend in St. Paul, Minnesota. If you know anything about St. Paul, it's actually the twin city to Minneapolis. Minneapolis, St. Paul, there's a bridge between the two big cities. And uh, St. Paul is supposedly more of an upscale neighborhood type city than is Minneapolis. But as you just heard, nobody's exempt. No community is exempt. It's happening across the board pretty much everywhere in the United States. So, we'll go from that horror over the weekend and we'll talk about some other st- things going on. If you were traveling by air this weekend, <laughs> I don't have to tell you what really is happening. We're going to try to puzzle through and get some answers about the fact that Southwest Airlines canceled 2,000 flights over the weekend. 2,000. And of course, you and I both know that impacts everybody in the daisy chain of air transportation. You can't cancel flights and not impact every airport in America, every commercial airport. I mean, every commercial airline is going to be impacted, everybody flying. And so I heard some stories this morning that were unbelievable. One man held on the phone with Southwest Airlines when he found out his flight had been canceled, trying to find alternate routes and alternate carriers. He was on the phone in one phone call for seven and a half hours with Southwest. Can you imagine the chaos that has happened around the nation? Think about it. On Sunday now, it was Saturday and Sunday primarily, and we just found out a few minutes ago it's actually carrying over into today. We're going to get into the details about that. And then what's going on with the president, President Biden? What did he do over the weekend? I really don't know what he did, which meant he probably got put down in the basement in uh, Delaware where Jill keeps him when she doesn't want him to get in trouble over the weekend. But he, and especially his Secretary of Homeland Security, they have opened up Pandora's box of authoritarianism. I'm serious, folks. We're going to talk to you about that. So you don't want to miss anything today. And at any time, of course, you want to join the conversation, please feel free to do so. Grab your phone. We'll pay for the phone call. 
1-866-37-TRUTH. That's 1-866-378-7884. So the Southwest Airline thing. Uh, listen, folks, there's way more to the story than they're wanting to tell us. Southwest, they are blaming everything, well, not everything, but most of all of their cancellations on um, air traffic controllers. And, of course, the FAA says, uh-uh, it's not our fault. And so everybody says, well, these South Southwest pilots, they've got to be the ones holding it up because this is a protest, a silent protest against the upcoming vaccine mandate that Southwest has put out for all of its employees. Well, the Southwest Airlines Union that represents pilots, they say, uh-uh, it's not us. <laughs> and the carryover from the weekend, it was actually closer to 1,900 Southwest flights, but the carryover, it's happening right now today. According to FlightAware, Southwest has already canceled 350 flights today and delayed another 303 Now, they did, again this morning, blame air traffic control issues and weather for its weekend. They took a line from the Biden administration, and they call canceling 2,000 flights over the weekend an operational challenge, not a crisis. (laughs) Saw over 1,000 canceled flights yesterday alone. And it's interesting, if this was an air traffic controller problem, why is it that Southwest was the only airline to have anything like this at all happen. Now, over the weekend, and over the summer, actually, they struggled with a bunch of delayed and canceled flights, kind of unusual for Southwest. In August, it announced it was trimming its September schedule by 27 flights a day, or less than 1%, and 162 flights a day, or 4.5% of the schedule, That was going to happen between early this month through November 5th. Well, last week, Southwest became the latest airline to announce its vaccine mandate on its staffing, top to bottom. They said their workers must be fully vaxxed by December 8th in order to remain employed at Southwest. Employees can, of course, seek approval to skip the shots due to medical or religious reasons. That airline's pilot union, it's SWAPA, I guess that would mean Southwest Airlines Pilots Association. They said shortly after all this broke that while it was not against vaccines, quote, this announcement and lack of detail only fuels a growing divide that continues to erode the already strained relationship between Southwest Airlines and its pilot union. One analyst said one reason for the weekend outages may be a work slowdown by the pilots who are pushing back against that mandate. Of course, on the stock market this morning, Southwest Airlines stock value slipped already 3%, and it will get worse before the day is over. And they're canceling flights today. Monday, the day where everybody that flies around the country on work (laughs) <laughs> They're trying to fly around the country to get on uh, the plane with wherever they're going to work. And Southwest has just screwed up a lot. No doubt about it. Well, there's been some interesting news that came over the weekend. We're going to dig into all of that, too. Why don't we get started right here? We don't hear anything about 
the Iran stuff anymore. You remember Joe Biden, John Kerry as Secretary of State, Barack Obama as President. They were the ones that cut this deal behind, they hit it all with the nation of Iran, supposedly bargaining with Iran so that they would not make nuclear weapons, they being Iran. And of course, Iran would say, oh, okay, we won't do it. You just got to give us a bunch of money. So they did. They gave them a treasure trove of cash, actual cash, close to half a billion in cash. That was the end of the deal. And then, I don't know if you remember this, but through the years, Iranians always keep a lot of money in the United States and banks over here. And the reason for it is it's safe and secure. And pretty much when somebody has big dollars in banks, I mean millions and billions, um, banks like them to park that money there so these people can use, uh, that money can be used to lend out. The banks have it on deposit. And so they'll pay higher interest rates to nations especially, especially, but to people too and corporations that keep a lot of money parked in their banks. So when all of this stuff came down about Iran being involved in active terrorism against the United States and others in the free world, the United States grabbed a bunch of that money, didn't take it, but they put a hold on it so the Iranian government couldn't use it. So guess what happened over the weekend very quietly? Donald Trump had imposed some new sanctions against two Iranian companies specifically. Well, Joe, from Delaware, from the basement on Saturday, he announced sanctions that Trump had imposed against those two companies will be lifted today. UPI reports the U.S. Treasury removed Mammoth Industries and its subsidiary, Mammoth Diesel, from its specially designated nationals list. Now, the Trump folks sanctioned the companies in September of 2020, along with several of its shareholders and some senior officials of the companies, accusing them of supplying goods for Iran's nuclear mission program. The designations came in the midst of our government's efforts to punish Tehran for its nuclear activity and malign influence in the region, something the Biden administration is seeking to cancel. And their purpose for doing that is, of course, diplomacy. Diplomacy. So Iran, they always get in in front of big news when it comes to the United States, and especially when a little bit of it might be good and seem good to the world for Iran. Well, Iran is claiming this morning the Biden administration offered to remove 1,040 sanctions that were imposed during the Trump administration. I don't know if that's true yet or not, but that's what Iran is saying. And of course, if you're Joe Biden or if you're Antony Blinken, his secretary of state, if Iran says something, we're going to listen to it because they are speaking the truth. Yeah, all right. One Treasury spokesperson said the decision to excise the two companies from that uh, Office of Foreign Assets Controls um, secure list, in other words, have uh, sanctions against them. They said it wasn't related to negotiations between the U.S. and Iran regarding the JCPOA. That's the deal without congressional oversight or 
Congress even debating it and seeing it, that Barack Obama signed and put it in place and gave Iran all that money. These delistings, this spokesman for the Treasury said, do not reflect any change in U.S. government sanctions policy towards Iran. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. They're taking sanctions away that the Trump administration imposed. But this brain surgeon that works for Joe Biden said, oh, this doesn't reflect any change in government sanctions policy towards Iran. Why the heck would they remove the sanctions then? Just more stupidity, more chaos, more mixed messages from the Biden administration, more lies, to be quite honest with you. And there's other stuff in this same vein that's going on. A former Navy nuclear engineer who we are told had access to military secrets has now been charged with trying to pass classified information to a foreign government. This guy's name is John, Jonathan Toby, and also his wife's involved, Diana Toby, with violate, violating the Atomic Energy Act. What they allegedly tried to do was pass along secrets pertaining to the design of U.S. nuclear submarines. Toby reportedly had never actually been in contact with a foreign government and unwittingly, we're told, communicated with FBI agents and passed along sensitive military secrets in a scheme that stretched nearly a year. This guy's 42 years old. He's a former lieutenant in the Navy, and his wife is 45, sold, allegedly, restricted information concerning the design of nuclear-powered U.S. warships to someone they believe was a representative of an unnamed foreign power, according to federal law enforcement officials. The FBI picked up on all this to reach a foreign agent just after he had left the Navy. So here you go, a career guy, you know, a lieutenant in the Navy. And just before he leaves the Navy, it's kind of like, I'm going to cash in on this bonanza. I have access to some stuff some military intelligence, a little bitty thing, I mean, the design of nuclear-powered U.S. warships. According to investigators in December of not 2021, but last December, Toby sent a package to the undercover FBI official trying to establish some kind of relationship with a foreign country and they still haven't named that country, with court documents listing it only as country one. I apologize for this poor translation into your language. Please forward this letter to your military intelligence agency. That was from a letter from Toby. I believe this information will be of great value to your nation. This is not a hoax. Investigators said the package contained U.S. Navy documents, a letter containing instructions, and an SD card, a computer card, memory card, that contained specific instructions on how Country One should respond using an encrypted communication platform, and it also included some more documents. And then he sent a package to the FBI agent in April of this year that contained a sample of restricted data 
and instructions for purchasing additional information. This is like a spy thing happening right now in the United States of America where we're selling our military secrets to our enemies. So what's the money in this thing? Well, Toby supposedly was to go on and make two more dead drops of information, classified information, one on August 28th, one on October 9th, until the FBI arrested him and his wife after he was paid $70,000 in cryptocurrency. It's happening all around us, folks. The love of money is the root of all evil. The love of money drives the boat. And that's kind of ironic in this story. I use the term driving the boat when we're talking about a lieutenant, former lieutenant in the U.S. Navy selling the design of nuclear warships to some foreign country. $70,000 worth of cryptocurrency. And I thought we'd take a break from all of the evil, bad stuff and tell you about this. Our good friend from Houston, Joel Osteen, he pastors one of the biggest churches in the nation, is refunding $4.4 million his church received in COVID-19 catastrophe loans. In December of 2020, the church's expenditures were scrutinized. They always are. It's Lakewood Church in Houston. They have 368 full-time and part-time staffers, making it the country's most prominent megachurch, at least by numbers. A bunch of civil liberties groups questioned the big payouts to the church, believing that churches should be fiscally independent of government plans. So shutting down in-person service during COVID-19 resulted in a revenue loss, not just for Lakewood, but pretty much every church across the nation. So in response to the Houston Chronicle story, Lakewood backed its choice to ask help from the Paycheck uh, Protection Program, insisting that neither Osteen nor his wife received any of the payment. Here's what the story said. Like many organizations temporarily shuttered by the pandemic, this loan provided Lakewood Church short-term financial assistance in 2020, ensuring that its 350 employees and their families would continue to receive a paycheck and full health care benefits. So their in-person services at Lakewood Church were halted from March 15th to October 18th and affected its ability to collect substantial donations during these services. It's important to note that since 2004, and this is the, this is the line I'm bringing this to you for, everybody hears all kinds of bashing of Joel Osteen. There's one Facebook post that's been floating around. It's been reposted, reposted, reposted for years. And it's a picture of a Lamborghini. And whoever started it and every person that perpetuates sending it around, that's Joel Osteen, the pastor of Lakewood Church. Here's what he does with the people's money that give offerings at Lakewood Church. He's got his own Lamborghini, a million-dollar car. How could anybody do that and stick it in the faces of people that are suffering and struggling in Houston, Texas just to make ends meet when Joel Osteen is using their money to buy a Lamborghini? He's never owned a Lamborghini. I know that for a fact. Since 2004, both Joel and Victoria Osteen 
have never, not one time, taken a salary from Lakewood Church. And those PPP funds didn't provide any personal financial benefit to them whatsoever. The numbers, the audited numbers prove all this, folks. Osteen's sermons are reported to be worth $100 million based on their popularity over the world. His dad, who I met, I didn't know him, but I met him years ago. After he died in 1999, he assumed leadership, Joel did, of Lakewood Church. Under the $525 billion project, which terminated in August, the SBA, Small Business Administration, claimed more than 5 million loans were authorized. And that included thousands of churches and other religious groups. I'm talking about mosques, as well as other independent institutions. All of these people, these businesses, these churches got PPP money, the same the same basis as any other business. So according to the Houston Business Journal, about 1,500 religious institutions in just Houston alone were accepted for these loans. 20 of them got over a million dollars. Shake Shack, news websites like Axio, and more than a dozen publicly traded businesses are among the enterprises that have returned PPP loans, which were intended to help small companies stay afloat. Now, We'll go back to the very first sentence of the story. And this is probably the most important one. Lakewood Church is refunding. They got $4.4 million. They're returning $4.4 million. Before you get on your soapbox, anti-Lakewood Church, anti-Joel Osteen, know this. He's never owned a Lamborghini. They live in a really nice house. They paid for it themselves from no money that came from Lakewood Church. And Lakewood Church has already paid back the government funds for COVID-19 PPP loans. How many of the businesses that took advantage of that program have paid back the loans? That's the question that needs to be asked. Nobody's going to ask it. And if anybody asks it, guess what? There's no mainstream media outlet in America that's going to give the information that I just asked about. How many companies and how much money of the PPP program loans has been paid back? I guarantee you, even if you talk about churches, most churches haven't paid those loans back probably because most churches have not recovered financially from the COVID-19 lockdowns. But you know what? When it comes to Christians, when it comes to conservatives, it is so easy to do what I call being a drive-by shooter rather than speaking and saying something based on facts. Mob mentality rules in mainstream media. It has, and it's crazy. I mean, you look at what's happened with just the cancel culture. In every social segment of our society. People's lives are being totally destroyed. Jobs, careers, totally taken away. Not for anything factual, not because people have done anything wrong, but it's because someone over there that has been endowed by the cancel culture God to have the authority to just cancel anybody with whom they disagree about anything. Not anything substantively either. 
accusers in the mob, the left-wing mob, are controlling the acceptance or the rejection from top to bottom, every age group, every skin color, every ethnic origin, every economic class. In fact, folks, it's not just for the people at the top, the elite leftists that are wealthy, that are endowed to be cancel culture gods. There's a segment in every social and economic group that I mentioned, and others. They haven't been elected. They haven't been appointed. They take it on themselves to just be able to do it, so they start doing it. Nobody checks them. Nobody checks them. You can't do that in this new system in which we find ourselves living. If you question anybody's authority or anybody's right to say something like that and make it when they say it an absolute that nobody can question, you're going to get canceled yourself. And when it comes to business, folks, when it comes to careers, look around. Look at all the people that have been canceled. None of them, none of them substantively should have ever even been talked about, yet alone had their careers and their lives terminated as they had developed them through the years. You develop on on substance and somebody else destroys it on gossip. Great place to live today, isn't it? US, USA. As bad as it is, folks, still the best place on the planet to live. <laughs> it sure is. Back after this at TNN Live. Car's all yours. Thanks. Cars.com's expert reviews made it easy, but... Shouldn't there be more back and forth? You missed the drama, right? Yeah. Maybe this will do the trick. Oh, it's a puppy. Not a puppy, a wolf. What now? He's a wolf. And that is its incredibly protective mother. Put the wolf down. You guys good? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're good. Yep. Okay. Get the right car without all the drama. Cars.com. All drive. No drama. So you guys grew up together? Yeah, since third grade. What are you looking at? I'm not looking at anything. We're not good enough for you. You look for something else? No, I, just, I don't know. What are you, big supermodels? Who's us? Supermodels? What are you, model gloves? What are you doing? A girl's totally into me. Brad, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you get a little angry when you're hungry. Better? Better. So, ladies, so losers. Stacy, relax. Oh, I'm sorry. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. New home ownership can be a real eye-opener, but it's the perfect time to look into Homeowner 101 from The Home Depot. Free live streaming workshops taught by expert associates. Now at homedepot.com slash workshops. You'll find indoor and outdoor workshops, even home systems workshops. Plus, you'll get the know-how you need to care for your biggest investment. Master the basics at Homeowner 101, only at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Register now at homedepot.com slash workshops. So it's this beautiful summer day, and while most guys would say, let's go to the beach, Donnie says, Hey, let's go to Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. They're having a warehouse sale. I say, are you serious? He says, your place needs furniture. And at the sale, you can get beautiful stuff and save 50, 60, even 80%. So we go to the Pilgrim Warehouse Sale. I buy a sofa, a love seat, and this really cute dinette set. But the big thing is, we pick it out together, Donnie and me. Maybe this relationship is going somewhere. The Warehouse Sale at Pilgrim Furniture in Mattress City. Facts and evidence is all you'll see and hear on TNN, the Truth News Network. Find it exclusively at truthnewsnet.org.
that would be right here. Truthnewsnet.org cover story today is one you have got to read. If you haven't read it yet, it'll turn you on your ear again. More evidence has come up over the weekend that proves that this $3.5 trillion debacle, the budget reconciliation bill that is currently in some shape, form, or fashion being uh, considered on Capitol Hill is full of some of the most egregious spending, the nastiest, most evil spending that we've ever seen. I'm not even going to tell you about it now. Go read the story at truthnewsnet.org. It includes Dr. Fauci and something that he's involved in that is maybe worse than anything else you've heard about Dr. Fauci. And Joe Manchin, of all people, Joe Manchin, senator from West Virginia, a moderate Democrat that is front and center in this entire budgetary stuff being considered the infrastructure bill, also the uh, budget reconciliation bill. He's the guy, him and Kirsten Sinema, another Democrat senator from Arizona, kind of hold the cards in all this. The other um, moderate, so-called moderate Republicans, have they've just fallen over on the other side pretty much. But it's an interesting story. Here's what we're doing at truthnewsnet.org and stories that we publish now. We have several guest writers. As you know, Kelly Nelson is one of them. We have a couple of others that chime in every once in a while. We really appreciate those. I write some of the things, and sometimes the stories are collections of others. What you got to understand is um, even though Truth News Network is owned, has ownership, um, it's not owned by anybody or any people that want the unfettered ability to cram their own thoughts and ideas down your throat or anybody's throat. And I'll just be honest with you, the owner is me. (laughs) Uh, It's not about that at all. It's about getting a broad spectrum to you and everybody else out there that wants to listen in and read um, to get a perspective of different opinions and different ideas from which you can make your own or you can even bring your own to the table. Listen to what you see and hear at Truth News Network or not, your choice. That's the way a representative republic that is based on democratic ideals is supposed to function. Well, we've gotten away from that. I think everybody will agree. Not just got away, we've gone 180 degrees and we're going full speed ahead the other way. And so in this environment, truths are really hard to find. And even when you find them, they're so deluded and attacked so aggressively by people on the opposite side, you look at them most of the time and you go, "Ah, I just don't know about that. I would think it makes sense. But when I hear all of these not just Democrats, but a lot of Republicans lining up to bash them. I just don't know if there's any substance there. That's the life and the world in which we find ourselves right now. And here's another example. Guess what? In the Biden administration, under the Biden's policy so far this year, the middle class now holds a smaller share of U.S. assets than do the top 1% of wealthiest Americans. I'll repeat that. If you live in the middle class, you and your compadres hold a smaller share of any kind and every kind of U.S. asset than does the top 
1% of wealthiest Americans. So what is the middle class? You hear that term bandied around all the time. What defines what the middle class in America are? The typically accepted definition is 60% of U.S. households in the middle of all income brackets. That's the middle class. And the middle class saw their combined assets fall to 26.7% of the total number of national wealth dollars as of June this year. That's the lowest in three decades. Now, this comes from, not from any conservative, not from any Republican. It comes from the Federal Reserve. Meanwhile, on the other end of this, for the first time, the super rich have a bigger share at 27% than the middle class does at 26.6%. The data shows an erosion in the financial security of mid-tier earners, partly due to the COVID-19 pandemic, despite trillions of dollars of government relief. A bunch of economists say this. The middle class includes 77.5 million U.S. households that have an annual income of 27000 to 141000 And that number is based on Census Bureau data, which we just got a new census. It comes out every 10 years. Meanwhile, the top 1% of earners represent about 1.3 million households, and they make more than $500,000 a year, a half million on average. Data showed that the top 20% of U.S. income owners had seen their share of national wealth increase about 10% over the past 30 years. While the middle class has seen its share of assets, and that includes your home folks and other real estate holdings, also private businesses and corporate equities, all went down this year more than at any other time in 30 years. In 1991, the middle class held more than 44% of real estate assets in the country but that's down to 38% now. Financially squeezed workers helped drive support for former President Trump and the populist turn in the Republican Party. Then here comes Uncle Joe. He seeks to bolster, he says, working in middle-class families with a very controversial $3.5 trillion spending package. But he's getting no support from Republicans and very little support from any independents. In fact, For the first time in a long time, I guess I don't ever remember this, independents are going daily, weekly, monthly in the tank as anti-Biden. Why? Because of crap like this. I mean, this economy, they, they tell us without facts, we get every day, Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, pretty much every day she holds a press briefing. And there are some really good um, members of the media, mainstream media, aren't a lot, but there are several that are in that room that aren't scared at all to ask the hard questions. But it's amazing when you listen to the questions that are asked and the top-down, shut-up-your-stupid-I'm-not answers by Jen Psaki. And it came to light over the weekend in a very dramatic way, talking about the Biden economy. And um, there are a lot of questions that need to be answered. And you're hearing 
people on the left answer the questions, but the answers you're getting aren't tied to any facts, folks. Let me tell you, we've been telling you this here for weeks now. Inflation is about to gobble up everything you have, everything you own. What are you talking about, Dan? How does that happen? The cost of everything goes up exponentially, and that's what's happening now. I mean, anything you can mention right now, I, I dare you to find some products out there in the marketplace of any kind. I don't care what it is. If it's food, if it's um, hardware, anything that hasn't risen in cost to you when you go get it in dramatic fashion this year, just this year during the Biden administration, that's called inflation. Well, Joe Biden was telling us at the beginning of this, oh, we're going to have some inflation. It's going to happen. It always happens. Inflation is cyclical, but guess what's happening? We're forcing employers to start paying Americans more. And these companies are going to be paying Americans more because they're making more money because of the new deal, whatever Biden's deal budget, uh, you know, the build back better, better debacle. Whatever you want to call it, that's what they're pointing to and saying, this is going to save every American. And it's not happening. Every tenth of a percentage point, wages have risen, which isn't very much, has been surpassed by the cost of goods, which means we're going backwards economically. So in the White House, Jen Psaki, commanding that uh, podium in the front of the room, she addressed that with one of the reporters in the room about the Biden economy and the truth, the facts. You know, we've got to have those facts and we can only get them from the White House. We'll talk about meat prices, but are there any sort of near-term steps that you know the White House is now thinking of taking as you look at this data that is starting to flow in? And is he starting to get, is the president starting to get increasingly concerned perhaps that this is now starting to actually eat into people's paychecks? Well, as you picked that wages piece of data, though, I think what's important to note is that uh, the progress that the president talked about this morning uh, is on a range of fronts, which is also important. Uh, we're at a faster projection of economic growth than we were at a year ago, far and away. In the overall economy, what else matters to the average American? Gas prices. And gas prices in October 2021, they are at its highest point since October of 2014. I understand we can cherry pick different data pieces from a year ago or two years ago, but what we're seeing in the trend is encouraging and is progress being made. And another looming and very real issue going on, the supply chain. Take a look at some of these headlines. America is running out of everything. Christmas at risk A supply chain disaster only gets worse. Your holiday turkey may be harder to come by this season. I understand we can cherry pick different data pieces from a year ago or two years ago, but what we're seeing in the trend is encouraging and is progress being made. The little inserts, the two little inserts there came with some facts and numbers some perspectives that are based on facts, not as Saki said, well, you know, you got to look at this and you got to look at that. And overall, hey, there may be some little bits and pieces in the middle that don't look so good. But if you look at the way everything's trending economically, we're on the right path. The way it's trending economically, folks, is down. Worse. Folks, we are headed, and you need to, if you don't remember, if you weren't around when all this happened, do some internet searches. 
Talk about the economy. Get the information about the economy from 1976 to 1980 when Jimmy Carter, the peanut farmer, the Sunday school teacher, Jimmy Carter was president of the United States. Inflation soared. It began just like it's happening now under this president. The same thing in 1976, right after he took the oath of office in January the next year. It began to happen just like it's happening now under Joe Biden. And everybody responded in the media the same way. Oh, you know, we've got to change this. Ronald Reagan, he was in there for eight years and he just drove us crazy economically. We've got to get back. We've got to get our economy back in shape. And so they did. They said the same things the Biden folks are saying and the president himself is saying. And before Jimmy Carter left office four years later, we were paying 19% mortgage interest, interest rates to buy a home. The cost of everything had skyrocketed. The multiplications were almost impossible to keep up with. And nobody wants to talk about this, but in inflation, folks, not everybody does bad. There's a whole segment of our society that loves it when inflation comes around. Who is that? It's people that have the most. Why is that? Because wealthy people, they don't keep their money in a checking account, folks. They invest it. And a lot of that money is invested in stocks and bonds, in treasury notes. And the way they make money, a lot of people think of the way in the stock market, the best way to make money is to buy cheap and wait for it to go up some and then sell it. And you've got money, you've got profit. That's not the best way. The best way is to find stocks of companies that are growing, that have great opportunity, they have great goods and services that they sell, and they're managed economically really, really well, and they grow in value over time. Buy those and keep them. Well, how do I make money? Every quarter, these publicly traded companies, they pay stock dividends. For every share of stock that is out there, the people that hold that stock are owners in that company. The best way to make money is to find companies that their stock value, because the company's doing good, grows in value while it's growing in value. You're making money, and individual stockholders are getting paid that money. But even when we talk about inflation, even more so is banking. When prime interest went to 19%, banks were paying 20% interest on certificates of deposit. Imagine, folks, today, if you had an extra $100,000. Let's say you had half a million. You had a big inheritance come your way. Or you cut a big deal. Maybe you bought some Moderna stock three years ago when the stock value was $5 and you sold it last week at $500 a share. (laughs) That, That would have been a good way to hit a boondoggle. I'm not talking about doing it that way. I'm talking about investing and watching your investment grow in value. People that have a lot of money, they watch inflation. And when inflation and the subsequent always happens interest rates go through the roof 
they park their money in the bank and just sit there and go cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. So you have, you have a half million dollars. If interest rates get to 10%, you're making $50,000 just for having money parked in a bank. How many of you, raise your hand if, if you really feel this way, how many of you would like to get an extra $50,000 every year more than you're getting right now in your job and all your investments rolled in together. And see, the opposite side of the financial markets is the bond. The bond market and the financial document market, which we're talking about certificates of deposit. And the other, the other investment, the big investment place to go is into the stock market. But when you invest in an economic environment like we have today, these companies are not going to make the profits that they've been making since Donald Trump became president. It's just not going to happen because they're paying more for their goods and services. And because of the intense pressure that's coming from the left, employees are getting paid more, getting pay raises, etc. So that has to come from somewhere. Profits are down in these companies. So that means those quarterly stock dividends that are being paid are going down. So you're not making nearly as much money. In this kind of market, what happens as inflation goes up, you'll see the big, big investment banks, stockholders, they'll sell their stock and put the money in financial instruments, certificates of deposit, where they can make a lot of money just sitting there watching their money grow. And that's not being ugly or mean or unfair. That's being smart, folks. That's using the legal avenues that you have at your disposal to make money. And that only happens, by the way, in a capitalist society and a free market system. You don't get this overseas in too many places, folks. This is the United States of America, and that and everything else that we talk about here that's good is what is being summarily disassembled, dismantled, and thrown out by this president and his policies, and it gets worse. I'll give you an example. We're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to peel the layer of the onion back so you can see how people in Washington are making money today People that work for you. One person, especially the leader of the U.S. House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi and her husband. This is going to blow your mind. We've reported about it in the past and looked up and got some financial opportunities, talked about it at length, but a real investigation has just been revealed about Pelosi and her husband, Paul. Got that and so much more after this at TNN Live. Cars today are computers on wheels. That's it. Uh, the fancy new tech makes our life easier in the car. But when something breaks, can you afford to fix the touchscreen display or the sensor, which can cost thousands of dollars? 
Most likely, no. That's why I have Car Shield, and it takes away the worry and the panic of the expensive repair that you know is coming. Car Shield, their protection plans can save you thousands for covered repairs, including everything from an engine, transmission, GPS, electronics, and more. You can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work, and Car Shield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary roadside assistance and a rental car. It's inevitable something's going to break. It happens to everybody, including me. So get coverage from America's number one auto protection company like I did and find out why CarShield cars go farther. Rates are as low as $99 a month, so visit CarShield.com. Use the promo code IHEART to save 10%. That's CarShield.com, promo code IHEART. Deductible may apply. Wendy's famous 4 for 4 is heating up with a new spicy crispy chicken sandwich. The queen of spice is delivering that spicy chicken you love with lettuce and mayo between two deliciously soft buns. And yes, in classic 4 for 4 fashion, you can get all that spicy goodness with spicy or crispy nuggets, fries, and a drink to cool off, all for just 4 bucks. Is it getting hot in here? Or did Wendy's just deliver the hottest deal in fast food? We got you. Offer includes four-piece nuggets, junior frying, value drink. Price participation may vary. Join a community of online learning and find your bright future at the American Women's College of Bay Path University. Getting your college education doesn't necessarily make it so you have different self-worth or you mean more. There's so many different roads you can take. But if you have the feeling that you want it, go get it. The American Women's College is supportive and kind, and what you've created has changed lives, and I'm so grateful that I can say I've been part of it. Enrolling now for September and November at baypath.edu slash future. You like music like this? That seventies stuff. That that is uh, super fly from the uh, from a movie back then. It just sounds uh, kind of a little mysterious at times, but it's got a great beat good sound behind it. I love stuff like that. And it doesn't have to be just 70s stuff. Um, our daughters, they, um, they're obviously much more contemporary than is dad. And my favorite type of music is smooth jazz. Now there's a lot of great, 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 great players. A lot of musicians that are current players on the music scene. I mean, the people that our kids like, that they're really good when they do smooth jazz stuff too. Most musicians, they get smooth jazz. It's a compilation of a lot of different styles of music. All that being said, um, I almost, in every case when I hear a song, I identify it based upon the time that it came out or the time it was released. Um, And you identify music generationally that way. I think that's an interesting thing. That's a historical thing that very few people ever talk about. You look back when I was in the 60s. I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the 60s. I was born in the 50s, but I didn't grow up or start growing up until the 60s. I thought the music my mom and dad loved was atrocious. How could anybody listen to that kind of stuff? And, of course, it, like I said, it's cyclical, and now there's a whole generation that are looking back and listening to big band music from the 50s and the early 60s that really love it, but at the same time, adopting some of the music from this generation. Where are you going with this, Dan? I'm not going anywhere with it. I just like good music. 
I thought I would throw that out there. I thought I would give you a, a chuckle or maybe a little small diversion before we talk about what we're going to weigh into right now. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She's a Democrat from California. She's from San Francisco, serves in one of the most liberal districts in the United States of America. And she's also, if not the most, close to being the wealthiest member of the United States Congress. Now, she's been in Congress now for 34 years, and she's number one. She's one of the most powerful figures in the U.S. government. She's third in line to assume the office of the presidency. Should anything happen to the president or the vice president, the Speaker of the House is next up. Well, in the middle of a, 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 a flurry, a very complicated decision she's had to face as leader of the Democrat Party, which she is, by the way, Jesse Waters from Fox News, he launched a really big, deep investigation into her financial dealings during her 34 years, not quite 34, will be 34 next fall, years in office. Last week, Pelosi was unable to get her bipartisan infrastructure bill passed as progressives in her own party, people that are further left than her, signaled they wouldn't support it if she brought it up to be uh, voted on. So Jesse condemned her policies on air, saying they're making it harder and harder for average Americans to accumulate any wealth, shackling Americans with taxes and destroying the value of the dollar with reckless spending. So, before we get into the details of what Nancy and Paul Pelosi are worth and how they got there, remember this. She's the Speaker of the House. Now, she gets a nice salary. It's in the low six-figure number, and she gets a pretty exhaustive, exorbitant um, expense account on top of that. But she's not making millions of dollars in Congress from being a congressperson. Yet she is one of, if not the richest members of the entire Congress. So what's her secret? And of course, Jesse Waters, he starts looking into things and he said it's got to be her husband, Paul. Now, what's the story about Paul Pelosi? After they got married, Paul opened up a real estate and a venture capital firm in California. And of course, back then, even back then, folks, real estate in California was then, is now. It's very, very expensive but you can make a lot of money in real estate in California if you do it at the right time and you have the right connections to do it. Paul pushed Nancy into the political world. He's the one that got her into politics, and he helped her get elected to Congress first in 1987. So guess what happened? They timed the market perfectly through the years. Now what does that mean? It's when to buy what to buy, and when to sell, and what to sell. Think about that for a moment. How does somebody know that? How does somebody like Nancy and Paul Pelosi know that, not just what to do, but knowing exactly when to do it? Well, Nancy's a Washington insider. She's in on all kind of information, real estate, stocks, No matter what it was, Pelosi's have always known what the right investment is at the right time. And she got busted several times 
for what's termed insider trading. In other words, you get inside information on a pending deal, uh, a pending legislative matter that comes before the House or the Senate that's going to impact one business or one sector of the business world in, in a really good way or even a really bad way. So you either go out real quickly and buy stock in that company or in companies in that sector, or you sell them before they crashed. It was so obvious in their lives that Nancy was doing this very very early on. Do you know that there is a law that's named after her? It's called the Pelosi Rule. And what that rule says is a member of the House of Representatives cannot use inside information and do any kind of personal stock trading or bond trading based upon that information. Now, is it enforceable? I Obviously, it isn't because she continues to do it and she feeds Paul all kind of stuff. I don't know if you were here a few weeks ago, but uh, about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, I, uh, I went to California on a weekend, flew out, flew from Dallas, Fort Worth, flew into Sacramento. I was going to uh, Modesto, which is about an hour south of Sacramento, got a rent car driving down. And when you leave the city limits of Sacramento going south, there's really nothing. I mean, I say nothing. There's there's no big establishments. Most big cities have, you know, sprawling suburbs. A lot of a lot of the city has moved outwardly. Sacramento, I don't know the I don't know the particular details and the numbers and all that kind of stuff. But when you go south, you're on the interstate. There's very little in the Central Valley, the, that part of California Central Valley until you get close to Modesto. But going south, if you look off to your left, out in the middle of nothing is this massive arena. And it's the NBA team's arena there. So I, I, I was curious, you know, what, what, what in the heck is this thing doing? Out? You know, Sacramento's the capital city of California. I would think that they would want to cluster everything that's really big and cool and neat, something like an arena for an NBA team. They would want it right smack dab in the middle of downtown where the government facilities, their capital, and all those kind of associated entities are located. And so I did a little research. So from her inside position years ago of knowing things, at that point she wasn't a Speaker of the House, but she she had been around and she had a lot of power simply because she was a prominent politician from the state of California. And the NBA team was looking for a new facility, a new place to locate. So Nancy heard that information from guess who? From Paul, who's a commercial real estate developer. And he said, hey, babe, and I'm paraphrasing, but uh, can you get some inside information through your contacts in Sacramento and anybody that you might know in the NBA office in New York? Sure, I can do that. To make a long story short, they were looking for a place to get outside of downtown, but were looking for a sweetheart of a deal, an opportunity, a place where they could put the arena that would uh, attract other businesses and real estate opportunities and even subdivisions and that kind of stuff. The capital city of every state, it's usually got a lot of stuff like that around it. 
So, guess what Paul did? He went out and found this big plot of land way out in the middle of uh, nowhere, probably 10, 15, 20 miles outside of downtown Sacramento. And he found out who owned all that property and he optioned it. In other words, he got a contract written on if he chose to at some later time to buy all of that property, he had a contract that would allow him to do that at a set price. And so, lo and behold, guess where the Sacramento NBA team was going to locate? And a new arena was going to be built, some with state dollars, some with private dollars, but there was going to be a massive amount of infrastructure and stuff required to do it, and the state of California was going to foot the bill, and they were going to have to buy this land, a bunch of it to do it, and the NBA team was going to do the same thing, and guess who owned the land? And guess who sold all that land? And guess who helped develop it? It's happened like that for Nancy and Paul all over the place. The couple, they've timed the market perfectly through the years. While Nancy's been a Washington insider, she has access to everything. Real estate, stocks, the Pelosi's always know what the right investment is. So they own several pieces of real estate, including a mansion in Napa Valley, it's estimated to be worth $25 million. A waterfront condo in Washington, D.C., where Nancy lives, it's worth over $2 million. And they have another mansion, a red brick mansion in California's Pacific Heights. And Paul, he owns commercial properties in San Francisco all over the place. Combined worth up to $50 million alone. That's his little slice there. In 2018, their wealth went through the roof. That year, now based on her financial disclosure that every member of Congress has to file, revealed a net worth of over $114 million. Now remember that number, 2018, $114 million. One year later, Pelosi's assets totaled $271 million. In one year, her net worth went from $114 million to $271 million. And last year, the number went up to $315 million. So in other words, since 2018, three years, folks, her net worth went from $114 million to $315 million. Now, I told you about the trouble she got into. In 2007, Visa, the big credit card company, they were worried that the Democrat Congress was considering at the time and that they would target their swipe fees. Visa, if you remember, when they first got cranking back, gosh, way more than a decade ago, when they got cranking with their new credit card, every time you used it, you got charged a fee. And Visa was worried that if that ever happened, if Congress passed that deal, they're going to lose billions of dollars. So guess what they did? They went and found some lobbyists in D.C. And those lobbyists targeted, guess who? Nancy Pelosi. Visa's CEO personally met with her. And guess what? She got donations from them. One of his advisors, the CEO of Visa, he left Visa and became a lobbyist himself. Lobbying? Guess who? Nancy and every other member of Congress. So all of a sudden, Paul Pelosi got a phone call from his stockbroker 
stockbroker said, hey, 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 you're in luck. Paul was offered, folks, a pre-screened invite to get in early on an $18 billion, $18 billion on an investment IPO, public offering of stock for Visa. He got an inside opportunity. So did Nancy and her husband say, no, we can't do that. It wouldn't look right. That's kind of unethical. Nope. They bought somewhere between $1 and $5 million worth of Visa stock. But it gets better. When she became Speaker of the House, bills that came up that would have hurt Visa's stock price, she wouldn't even let them go to the floor. That's what a House Speaker does. A House Speaker has control of every bill that is presented, whether or not it's even going to be presented to the House of Representatives. She blocked them all. Visa shares went up over 200% during that time, making the Pelosi's a fortune. In January, this year, the Pelosi's got a million dollars worth of Tesla stock right before Joe Biden announced this. Hey, 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 we're going to do all kinds of incentives for the electric car sector of the automobile industry. Pelosi family cashed in big time just before Congress was swept to pounce on big tech. Paul Pelosi exercised options on Google's parent company, Alphabet, and he made at one time, one transaction, $5.3 million. In March, Paul Pelosi exercised $2 million worth of Microsoft auctions. He did it. He just happened to do it. He pulled the trigger it was, a, it was a coincidence that two weeks later, the tech giant got a $22 billion contract to equip the U.S. Army with high-tech headsets. $22 billion contract. They've never been indicted for insider trading, which is illegal. It's against federal laws. But her marriage investments and access, combined with extremely fortunate timing, you think, (laughs) have created a lot of suspicions. All we're doing is following the money. And there sure is a lot of it. And there's getting to be more and more and more. Oh, my gosh. Hey, we've got an even bigger story for you. Is it possible? Yeah, it is. You know, this Joe Biden vaccine mandate that he has put out there. Remember, he announced it on national television about a month ago and everybody went nuts. And, oh, he's going to make it so it's okay. It's not me, he said. It's going to be OSHA. It's going to be a work-related directive that will be implemented by the bureaucracy that has the authority to do it. I can't do a national mandate, but OSHA can. But what it's going to be is everybody that works for the federal government is going to have to be vaccinated, and we are going to demand, or OSHA is going to demand, that every company in, in America that has 100 or more employees has a vaccine mandate for every employee. There is some unbelievable information that came out over the weekend about that. I got to be honest with you. This this guy in office, guy lives in the White House. 
I used to think Jill carried his uh, kahunos around in her purse and give them to him every once in a while. I think Nancy Pelosi's got them and keeps them. I don't think she ever gets them back. And there is something going on now that is going to blow your mind. Real truth, real news, TNN, the Truth News Network. Subway Restaurant Storytime Theater proudly presents Jack and the Beanstalk. Fee, fi, fo, fum. I smell the, I, I smell uh, something delicious. Hey, little fella, what you got there? Oh, this? It's the big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Mmm, that does look tasty. It sure is. Climbing that beanstalk out there makes you hungry. Uh, you mind if I have a bite? Sure! I'll trade you for that goose over there with the golden eggs. You got a deal! Hungry for something big? Then pick up a big hot pastrami sub from Subway Restaurants. Layer upon layer of delicious hot pastrami stacked high and toasted to flavorful perfection on freshly baked bread. Topped with pickles, mustard, and melted Swiss cheese, it's the perfect way to satisfy any giant-sized appetite. Big Hot Pastrami available at participating restaurants for a limited time only. See restaurants for details. Subway. Eat fresh. This is the sound of regular water droplets. This is the sound of vitamin water droplets. Regular water. Vitamin water. Regular water. Vitamin water. Hey, come on now. Vitamin water. It has vitamins, but also parties. In a world of weapons-grade stupidity, your defense is the truth. TNN, the Truth News Network. So, to suborn the truth of this vaccine mandate thing, we got uh, we got our shovels out and started digging through the weekend and. There were a lot of stories that were out last week and the week before. And at the very beginning of this mandate thing, we reported here at TNN Live because we had heard it from two very reputable sources in Washington, D.C., that Biden's federal government mandate for every federal employee was going to exempt anybody in the White House. As it turns out, that is not factual. However, what is factual that that mandate um, it is not going to apply for any member of Congress or any member of their staffs. So we wanted to put that out there and make sure you understand that's exactly what's going on. Now, this was September 9th that he made this announcement. It seems like longer ago than that, his six-point plan. And so he introduced vaccine mandates for some employers. The specifics haven't yet been determined for some parts of his plan, but some misleading claims about which employees are going to be exempt have been circulating. And, uh, you know, we don't want to get into that. As we told you, the Congress, the legislative branch, congressional staffs are exempt. Also, the judiciary is. Now, please understand, these are separate departments of the government. You have the executive branch. That's the only branch that the leader of that branch has authority to mandate something like vaccinations. The executive branch folks in the White House and other parts of the executive branch are going to have to comply with this mandate if and when it comes out. The judicial branch, judges at every level are going to be able to make those determinations for themselves. So you may have 
In the federal system, you may have some courts that require mandated. Some may not. Same thing holds true in the legislative branch. All that being said, Joe Biden told us that OSHA was going to have the sole responsibility to handle all this kind of stuff. So here's how the process worked. Before anything like he's talking about this mandate can be done, it's got to put in the form called a rule. And a federal department like OSHA has pretty broad authority to issue work-related, especially when it comes to health care for employees, these kind of rules. So OSHA's out there, and they're the ones that he says are going to do it. Now, you got to wonder whether Biden's mandate over those companies with more than 100 employees was even ever designed to be implemented. Now, what are you talking about, Dan? Well, let me ask you this. September the 9th, it's been more than a month, a month and two days. Wouldn't or doesn't it normally when something like this is happening, don't we hear or see some draft versions of whatever piece of legislation or executive order, or in this case, a rule by OSHA? We don't see it. They always leak it because they want media to be talking about it. So it won't be a slap in the face to the American people when something like this, which is if it happens, it's going to impact more than 200 million people. Guess what, folks? I don't even think it's going to be implemented. I don't think there's a vaccine mandate in the working. Now, we've all heard about it. He, it didn't just happen when he got up on the stage and presented it. He had the mainstream media talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks before. There are insiders in this administration who are maybe leaking now. I don't know if you can call it that, or maybe they're just telling it that the vaccine mandate doesn't even exist. So far, all we have is that press conference and other such man-made for media huff-puffing by the president. No such rule even claiming to be legally binding has been issued yet. That's why nearly two dozen Republican attorneys general, you heard about them, we reported them here, named them from every state that they're a part of. They have publicly stated as part of their opposition to the clearly unconstitutional and illegal mandate, their words, not mine, they haven't yet filed suit against it. And you know why? There's no mandate. There's no rule published, so they can't sue anybody yet. So far, it appears no mandate like this has been even sent to the White House's Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs. The White House, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, that's OSHA, and the Department of Labor haven't released any kind of guidance for this alleged mandate. There's no executive order. There's nothing but press statements. Despite what you have been led to believe, by the media, press statements have exactly zero legal authority. There's nothing there yet that gives employers any mandate. That's according to Stephanie McFarland, who's a spokeswoman for the Indiana Occupational Safety and Health Administration. The president made an announcement asking OSHA to do it, 
but we've not yet seen anything come from it, she said. So to impose this public perception of a mandate, the Biden administration is following what's considered to be an unusual rulemaking process that it also employed earlier this year called an Emergency Temporary Standard, an ETS. The spring ETS rule took nearly six months to issue. Meanwhile, companies are telling reporters their vaccine mandates will have, at the latest, December deadlines. If you don't have a calendar in front of you, that's four months after Biden's non-existent mandate was proclaimed. According to OSHA, an ETS takes up to six months to go into effect after the initial mandate is issued in the Federal Register, which again for the proclaimed 100-employee mandate hasn't happened yet. So lawyers for big business, they were pretty blunt about their love for this mandate mirage. Everybody loves this cover. That was from one Minneapolis employment lawyer, Kate Bischoff, in September. Many were already looking down the road at doing this, but the fact that they got to blame Biden is like manna from heaven. Using this procedure instead of normal federal rulemaking processes both allows the Biden folks to push its demands faster and without any public input or any requirement of responding to public input, which is required of even legally laughable federal rulemaking like this one would be. That is part of why ETS rules have been overwhelmingly overturned in courts. OSHA has used that legal authority only 10 times, folks, in 50 years. Courts have decided challenges to six of those standards, and they nixed five and upheld only one. There are a bunch of other reasons. Any federal vaccine mandate would be obviously illegal and unconstitutional, including that the states have plenary police power to regulate health and safety. That's a constitutional thing. Congress has only those limited powers enumerated in the Constitution. That would not include the authority to impose a $150 fine. That's today's of the equivalent $5 at stake in a case titled Jacobson that was put out, the opinion by the Supreme Court, on an individual who declines to be vaccinated, much less to prevent him or who her from earning a living. But who needs a constitution when you've got an American people conditioned for compliance with even crazy things that screen people insist that they must do stuff? Last week, the Wall Street Journal published a letter from Bruce Atkinson made some really good observations about this mandate, which isn't a mandate, it's just a press briefing so far. Part of it said this, the mandate's non-existence shields the Biden administration from legal challenges that may ultimately restrict OSHA and their authority. Yet the mandate is still effective at compelling industries and companies into compliance as it leaves room for any eventual issuance to target non-compliant entities. This implied weapon is particularly effective on industries and companies that are dependent on federal spending or the goodwill of federal regulators. 
The non-existent mandate also allows so inclined state and local governments and companies to issue their own mandates, seemingly doing that in lockstep with Washington. The Biden White House has been well served by presenting a non-existent mandate as a done deal. Um, So let let me just take you back a few years. Didn't we have a previous president that governed this way? Maybe doing it a little bit different than Joe is. Joe puts it out there, you know, and puts it off on OSHA. But the other guy we're talking about, the other president we're talking about, he didn't do that. He rubbed it in every American's face. Remember Mr. Pen and iPhone? The way he did it, he just basically said, here's the way it is. I got a pen, I got a phone. We're going to do what we want to do. And you, you don't have any hope of trying to stop us. You will not be effective, Barack Obama. So he also put together that highly unconstitutional DACA program for child arrivals. It was just simply a two-page memo. But it still allowed over half a million people to just ignore major U.S. immigration laws and could easily be reinstated by courts as litigation continues nearly a decade later. We're still dealing with DACA that didn't come from Congress. Millions of Americans think that it did, and Democrats want those millions and many more Americans to believe, well, it's a law, it's a rule, Congress passed it. Congress didn't. It was a memo from Barack Obama. It seems that given such unchecked gains from openly lawless actions, Democrats have turned into standard operating procedure over the years, one after another. That's why Biden feels free to reduce the constitutional contempt to simply a phone now. (laughs) What this government by press release also allows for is Republicans like Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb to complain about Biden's tyranny while using zip, not a zilch, of their elected authority to stop it, which any of them could do. Holcomb has used the same executive rule by decree throughout the lockdown era without an effective restraint of any kind by a supermajority Republican state legislature, even telling the press churches were required to deliver Christ's body and blood his way while quietly keeping that part out of his executive orders. He did that, of course, because government dictating religious exercise is unconstitutional and would have generated all kinds of lawsuits. All this, this whole thing, it allows weak Republicans and evil Democrats to shadow box each other for the cameras. They do it over and over and over again every day. While we ordinary Americans suffer under their lack of real leadership. By the time Republican attorneys general get around to filing the lawsuits they're claiming they're going to file, the vast majority of people not wanting government to force them into medical procedures will likely be unemployed, forcibly jabbed with treatments that have almost no track record, forced from their education paths, provided with fake documents like these citizens are beneath COVID rule-exempt illegal aliens and all the rest. Yeah, no illegal alien is required to take a jab. 
not any. Think about that. This is how weak Republicans keep letting Democrats go right on, gleefully disemboweling our rights, just like they have nearly 50 million of the American unborn. Tell me another one about how you love American liberties and the Bill of Rights. What Democrats are doing as Republicans stand down yet again is a moral and constitutional abomination. Not even the fig leaf pose of a pen-signing, balderdash-filled document is needed for these Democrats. Whatever they say, you got to do it. You have no rights or say so in the matter. No possibility for objecting to even them forcibly injecting things into your own body and the bodies of your children. Folks, these people think that they're royalty. And too many Americans are acting like they're these loser serfs instead of citizens endowed not by government, by God with inalienable rights, including, by the way, the right to informed consent through elected representatives, not ever elected dictatorial bureaucrats, to rules that restrict our rights, our everyday lives, and even our human dignity. I don't think there is a mandate, and I don't think one's going to come. I think what we're seeing play out, since Biden made that announcement on September 9th, millions of Americans have said this, well, I can't lose my job. I don't want to get a vaccination. I'm going to go ahead and get it before the rush. Millions have just succumbed and have been vaccinated. Wow. You want to talk about vanity in D.C. You want to talk about telling people what to do and how to do it and why to do it and telling people not to do it. Did you hear about Joe Biden last week? He personally lobbied a hospital on the phone, a hospital emergency room. One of his friends had taken a significant other to the emergency room at a hospital in Pennsylvania. And there were tons of people in front of this man and his significant other. They couldn't get in it. They told her it was going to be hours, and she was in pain. She was hurting. All those things rolled in. I mean, you don't go to an ER typically without that. So this guy knew Joe Biden, a contributor, a campaign contributor. So what did he do? Well, he picked up the phone and called the White House, and guess who he got on the phone? The president, Joe Biden. Joe Biden personally picked up the phone and called the hospital. Biden admitted it. He said, because I knew this person, I called the desk, the receiving nurse, and asked what the situation was. So Jen Psaki, she cleans up. She follows Joe around with a a broom and a dustpan. And it's not dust she's picking up when she follows Joe around. She insisted the president was not trying to cut the line by personally lobbying the hospital when questioned about the incident during the next day's White House press briefing. That certainly was not his intention. He was not trying to do that. He was checking in on an old friend. She didn't share any other details about the story. And, of course, there's a reason for that, the HIPAA thing, citing privacy. 
for Biden's friend. I don't have any other update, she said, for the privacy of this individual. And we all know. (laughs) I mean, we know what it is. It's the president of the United States. It's a Democrat president of the United States. And they have control of the entire U.S. Congress. And, of course, he's in the White House. They control it all, which means they control everything for every American. You don't have a right to say or feel anything. And if we want to move our friends to the front of the line at the bank, at the gas station, or at the emergency room, we're going to do it, and you're either going to like it or just sit there and be quiet. That's the way it is. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. It's O Rewards Member Appreciation Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Stop in today and check out store-wide savings, plus earn double points on over 225 items. It's our way of saying thank you. If you're not already a member, sign up today during O Rewards Member Appreciation Month. It's fast, easy, and free. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. We're here asking people from all over what they think of Lipton Green Tea. Let's hear what people from Texas have to say. Mmm. How about China? Mmm. Germany? Mmm. How about people from the North Pole? Mmm. Or Mars? <laughs> what about mimes? Oh, right. People with their jaws wired shut? Oh. Yeah, a barbershop quartet. Oh, you guys are great. How about race car drivers? Mm-hmm. What about you, high school glee club, here on a field trip? Mm-hmm. Well, that settles it. It sounds like everyone loves the taste of Lipton green tea. With its protective antioxidants from real tea, it's not just good for you, it's mmm to you. Lipton tea can do that. I love going all natural. It just makes me feel better. Nothing between me and my 100% all natural, juicy, grass-fed beef. Introducing the all-natural burger, the first ever in fast food, with no antibiotics, no added hormones, and no steroids, only at Carl's Jr. You know, there's one commonality, there's more than one, but there's one specifically that I've noticed of late has really, it really stands out in comparison of Joe Biden's administration and Barack Obama's administration. And in the Barack Obama administration, in my, in my life since I've been watching and really paying attention to um, presidential administrations, I always look for the, uh, the oddities, the things in the way that things are done in each administration that are starkly different from previous administrations. And Barack Obama's administration was full of those. Um, And we were told always to write that off to the fact he was the first U.S. president that was African-American. And therefore, he was going to 
um, administer and operate in a different way just because of who he is. And I get that. And most Americans, we basically, we just sat quietly and just watched it play out. And the reason we didn't want to say anything about it was because that would be racist. I mean, if you disagree with anybody that's a person of color that's in any way in leadership or in power in this nation, it can only be because you are either racist, homophobic, xenophobic, or any of the other isms or phobes that are out there that can be put on you with a label. Um, We're seeing a little bit of that in Joe Biden. There are a lot of folks that have been very hesitant to even say anything negative about any of the stuff he instituted beginning on his first day in the Oval Office. Can you imagine, just, just flip the switch just for a second, just imagine if Donald Trump had won re-election. And on January 20th, after the inauguration, he goes to the White House and invites the media in with Mike Pence, his vice president, and they stand there and he issues an executive order canceling the permit for the XL pipeline, putting maybe in all total as it rolls out 100,000 people out of work. How would the nation have responded? Oh my gosh. It would have been an explosion at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and in every major city across America where people wanted to get their hands around the throats of Donald Trump. Joe Biden? Hardly anything but a whimper, maybe. Why is that? He's a Democrat. He's a lifetimer in Washington, D.C. because of all of his experience in the U.S. Senate, everybody knows what kind of person he is. We've seen it play out on pretty much a national stage for his entire 50-year, nearly 50-year career. So we know what to expect. When Donald Trump came in, nobody knew what to expect. Everybody thought he was going to blow up the United States, that we were going to be in a world war with Russia and with China, and North Korea was going to shoot nukes at Western the Western U.S. We all thought that was going to happen the first week he was in office. But it went 180 degrees the other way. With Joe Biden, expectations were he's just going to be Barack Obama part two. You know, the thing that Hillary was supposed to bring back. Obviously, that has not happened. And so I'm bringing this up to say this. Always in politics, try to find something substantive to which you can tie the answers for the questions you're asking about the whys and what this or any government, any presidential administration do. There's always a reason. There's always a purpose. Barack Obama, he never even bothered to explain anything. He just did it. Joe Biden's trying to operate the same way, but it doesn't work. Why is that? Because there is no plan. There is no reasoning. Reasoning. There is no process. Somebody somewhere either gets in Joe's ear by phone, maybe in person, I don't know. But somebody that plays the role in this administration that Valerie Jarrett played in the Obama administration She never had an official title. Valerie Jarrett didn't, but she was in the White House. She was in the Oval Office all the time. Nobody even got to speak to the president 
on the phone or in person without going by Valerie Jarrett and being approved. There's somebody behind the scenes in this administration that is in Joe Biden's ear. And all of the things that we have seen him do and watched him do that have destroyed millions of people and billions of dollars of American taxpayer money, they're not coming from Joe Biden. They're coming from somewhere else. And it is so obvious, folks, believe me, you and I are not the only ones on earth that see it and understand it. Everybody sees it. Everybody's understanding it now. And most Americans, including Democrats, are scared to death about what might happen in the balance of the rest of the Joe Biden administration, even our folks in Australia. Have you given any thought to what leaders around the world think about Joe Biden? Have you given any thought about what people around the world think about Joe Biden? I remember I was in Switzerland and Malaysia. Uh, This was before the Trump run for the office. He had announced and was in the middle of his campaign, but he was not the candidate for the Republican Party yet. And I I remember sitting at dinner over there with with a group of five or six people in in, uh, Zurich, Switzerland. And they were all laughing their butts off at Donald Trump. They couldn't believe it. He's a clown. He's the orange man. And you have to know that in context of the way Switzerland is, Switzerland's a very wealthy, very, very wealthy country. I don't know if you know what I'm about to tell you, but they have the only currency on any major country, uh, company on earth that is 100% backed by gold. Ours is not. No other country's is. Um, they're very wealthy. Zurich, Switzerland is considered to be one of, if not the most expensive city on the planet to live. Hong Kong's getting that way. Singapore's getting that way. In fact, I haven't seen the numbers lately, but it's a really big city, really, really nice. It's clean. There's pretty much everything to do there you can imagine. And they're, they're just very content with themselves. I've talked to a few of them since Joe Biden has been president. They can't believe what's going on. They can't believe that the United States would elect this guy. And especially after what we are seeing he's doing and not doing and how quickly he is just driving this country down the road to chaos and a catastrophe or several catastrophes. We don't know yet. But then I ask about other people that are from countries that are very similar to ours, like Australian. Listen to this, folks. To the U.S., where the leader of the free world had this important message to impart. There you go, Tim. Thank you. Thank you, pal. AFL-CIO State President. And Jeff Isaacson, United Brotherhood of Carpenters. And uh, Don Finn, IBW. Uh, and, uh, and Robert Reiter, Reader, R-E-I-T-E-R, Rereader. You know, if I can digress for just a second, last night I was on the television, on television, I was on the telephone, times, you know, <laughs> any rate. Uh. Even with the assistance of an Oroku, the man is utterly incoherent. But there's more. There's always more. 
And also, we've got state leadership here. Lieutenant Governor Julius here, Stratton, and the Ohio, Pennsylvania, the Ohio, Pennsylvania, I'm from Pennsylvania. The, uh, the, uh, the Illinois president uh, of the, uh, Don Harmon, State Senator Laura Murphy, State Rep. Uh, um, Martin Mo- uh, Mo- Moyland, and uh, we've got great labor leaders here, too. Tim, where's Tim? Uh, Don't worry, he eventually found Tim. Perhaps Tim can figure out what in God's name the president was trying to say there or here. When you build a charging station, it's like back in the day when my grandpa worked for the Maryland Oil Company back in the turn of the, in the 1920 in that area. They went from state to state convincing people that they put, allowed them to put 20,000 gallons of gasoline under the ground. They didn't want them around. Oh, dear, dear me. Despite the media protection racket, President Biden's poll numbers have plummeted, particularly with independents. As they say, you can fool some of the people all of the time and all of the people some of the time. We cannot fool all of the people all of the time. So there's an example. Australia is a country that in many, many respects is very similar to the United States. Yes, They're part of the United Kingdom, which is England and other countries scattered around. But they're far closer in the way that they think, the way they operate, the way they leave their socioeconomic policies in Australia, much closer to the United States than to the UK, to England. Um, They look at this guy like, I got to be honest with you, most Americans look at him. He's incoherent. He has no attachment to reality or very little. And this is not demeaning him on a personal level, folks. This is demeaning the job of the guy who holds the top political position on the planet, was elected to do it, supposedly elected, to do it for four years. I I would never think that anybody could destruct different systems and different kinds of structure in this nation in a four-year period like Joe Biden has done in just months. He's done that very, very well. But in doing so, folks, he's not paying a price. Joe Biden is filthy rich, even if he is not taking advantage of all of those financial boondoggles that were made possible we are seeing in information and emails and conversations that come from his son, Hunter Biden's laptop, even if he doesn't have any of that money, even if he's not going to get any of that money. He is filthy rich. At last count, I think they own, he and Jill own five different properties, beach property. I mean, you just don't do that unless you are extremely wealthy. The cost of maintenance and upkeep and taxes alone on all of those, those properties Cost millions. And for those of you who maybe you're not a millionaire that are listening in, let me tell you, there's a difference between being a millionaire and having a million dollars. You can become a millionaire just by owning one simple piece of property that's worth a million dollars. And let's say you keep it for 10 years and it grows in value, yada, 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 yada. Maybe you, maybe you paid $400,000 for it, and maybe in that 10-year period, you've paid that $400,000 $400, mortgage, paid it off. Well, wow, you've got a 
million-dollar property you paid $400,000 for, so it's worth a million dollars and you own it, you're a millionaire. But there's a big difference in being worth a million dollars and having a million dollars. In other words, the difference is, can you write a million-dollar check and clear your bank account? (laughs) There is a big difference there. So Joe is really, really getting in a lot of trouble. He's getting beaten up now by Democrats, getting beaten up by mainstream media for these things, illegal immigration policies. He doesn't have any immigration policies. I mean, it's just let everybody come in, open the gates, take the walls down, let everybody come in. He has no real economic issue other than I'm going to tax the wealthy. I'm going to tax the wealthy and we're going to give everybody money for everything they should not only need, but everything they want. That's what we do as Democrats. You just heard the entire version of Build Back Better from Joe Biden. Seriously, folks. Now, let me, let me just say this. I want to, we've got eight minutes left. I want to, talk to you for a minute about something that is the most egregious thing that we have seen from this president or any president. What are you talking about, Dan? What could that possibly be? Everybody knows Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. You know how I feel about him if you're a regular here. I think he is, and, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say this, but I think Mayorkas is a Adolf Hitler wannabe. He is the most narcissistic acting person in government that I've ever seen. He dismisses anything from anybody, and he also dismisses whoever says it, if it does not line up perfectly with his line of thinking about anything and everything. But let me tell you what his boss, Joe Biden, and Alejandro Mayorkas have done. They have started the process. You remember under the Donald Trump administration, Congress, as part of a deal they cut with the president for a budget approval and agreement, they approved a sum of money to go explicitly to border wall production. You remember that? Congress passed that, not President Trump. Congress passed that, which means it was part of a law, which means nobody in this country can unilaterally not do what the law says legally. Guess what Mayorkas is doing? He is canceling contracts in place to finish construction of the border wall. Even though the U.S. Congress voted to build a border wall. Now, who are we getting this from? We're getting it from the Homeland Security themselves in a press release. They have been directed to build a border wall by Congress and they're just canceling the contracts because they don't care what Congress does. It's identical to what is happening at our southern border. 
Federal immigration laws make it illegal for anybody to step a foot across our southern border or even our northern border without having an invitation, legal invitation to come in and be here. It's a crime. They're ignoring it. Mayorkas, Joe Biden, and a whole bunch of Democrats. Congress certainly should sue the agency, Department of Homeland Security, but it won't. Congress is controlled by Democrats. And so they're just canceling the contracts because they don't care what Congress does. Guess who's directly in the line of horror and damage for this one decision they're making? The people in South Texas. Now, they probably can sue because they can say they're the ones being harmed specifically by Joe Biden and Mayorkas and others not enforcing or not following the law. But can you imagine? You know how big the federal government is. You know how many lawyers the Department of Justice has. You may not know how many, but you know that it's in the hundreds of lawyers. And when they need somebody in, say, Southern California to handle a lawsuit, they got your money. They've got our tax dollars. They'll just hire somebody out there to get done what they want done. In general, folks, here's what people need to know. It is illegal for any agency of the federal government to refuse to spend money that's appropriated by the United States Congress for what it's appropriated for. Mayorkas is refusing to implement Congress's immigration laws He's refusing to honor the laws that require asylum seekers be held in detention until their plea for asylum are judged, and he's refusing to spend the money on the border wall. This, and we're leaving the show with this, this is the example of authoritarian rule. This president, by himself, is circumventing the U.S. Congress, therefore circumventing the will of the people, and he's saying, Congress, on behalf of the people that hired them, Congress, who is the only entity that can make and change laws, they don't count. I'm the president. Alejandro Mayorkas works for me. We're going to do it. You have no say-so. And on that, We're going to wrap up Monday and tell you thank you for being here with us today. Great show. Great topics. Many to come. Hey, we're going to do this all week. Join us, by the way. Clue somebody else in. Somebody that needs to hear the facts. Get them to join us. And until we get together tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I want to tell you, have a great day. And remember this one thing. The best, the best is yet to come. See you tomorrow, folks. Long ago and oh so far away I fell in love with you Before the second show
Play your sad guitar 